And I want us to pray, and then you're going to be seated because I'm going to read many verses. I'm going to read the story to you. Then I'm going to talk to you about the cry from the tombs. The cry that came from the tombs. The Gadarene demoniac. So uh, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word today. And I thank you that you're the Jesus who sets people free indeed. Lord, you know the needs that are represented here. You know the people that are watching by streaming video. You know those that are be listening by radio. You know them intimately. I pray that, Lord, there will be freedom in the house today. That shackles will be broken. Chained people will go free. The impossible will become possible. The hopeless, hopeful. I pray your power will move in this congregation. The people will leave with a brand new lease on life. And I thank you for it. Now breathe a prayer, church, and say, Lord, speak to me. I receive your word in Jesus' name. Amen. Tell your neighbors you're sitting down. Jesus really does set you free. Now, let me read this story. Uh, This story of the Gadarene demoniac is in all three, three of the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. But Mark is more streamlined. And so I'm going to choose Mark, and let's read. Then they came to the other side of the sea, that is, Jesus and his disciples, to the country of the Gadarenes. And when he had come out of the boat, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit who had his dwelling among the tombs. And nobody could bind him, not even with chains, because he had often been bound with shackles and chains, and the chains had been pulled apart by him. Catch that. Pulled apart iron chains. When he saw Jesus from afar, everybody say he ran. But not from, from him, but he ran toward him and worshipped him. Best thing he could have done is run for Jesus. And he cried out with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with you, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? I implore you by God that you do not torment me. For he said to him, that is, Jesus said to him, Come out of the man unclean spirit. Then he asked him, what is your name? And he answered, my name is Legion, for we are many. Also, he begged, that is the demons, begged Jesus earnestly that he would not send them out of the country. Now a large herd of swine was feeding there near the mountain. So all the demons begged him. Look at the demons praying. Look who had authority and who didn't. Send us to the swine, they said, that we may enter them. And at once Jesus gave them permission. Then the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine, and there was about 2,000 swine, and the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. So those who fed the swine, understandably, fled. And they told it in the city and in the country. 
And they went out to see what it was that had happened. Then the whole town, the, the owners of the swine and the whole town came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon-possessed and had the legion sitting and clothed and in his right mind. And they were afraid. And those who saw it told them how it had happened to him who had been demon-possessed and about the swine. Then they began to plead with him to depart from their region. And when he had gotten into the boat, he who had been demon-possessed begged him that he might be with him. However, Jesus did not permit him, but said to him, go home to your friends and tell them what great things the Lord has done for you and how he has had compassion on you. And then Jesus departed, began to proclaim, or rather the set free man departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis all that Jesus had done for him and all marveled. What a story. It's powerful. Now, we did just finish celebrating Halloween. I read this week. Do you know this? Get a hold of this. Over a billion dollars, with a B, was spent on costumes for children and adults. Adults are buying more costumes than children. What's that about? Costumes representing evil, death, the devil, sensuality, other nefarious, dark things. All in the name of fun, but here's the deal. Most people that go out to celebrate Halloween don't realize that this dark underworld that they believe in is pure fantasy is real. It's real. There is a world that we can't see, but it is there. Now, how do we know that it's there? We know that it's there because, first of all, the Bible tells us it's there. Above that, Jesus told us it's there. Do you know that one quarter of Jesus' ministry was involved in setting people free from evil spirits? One quarter of his ministry was delivering people from demon spirits from that dark underworld? Now, I ask you, where did they go once Jesus died and rose from the dead? They didn't go anywhere. They didn't disappear. Jesus died, rose from the dead, went back to heaven. Are we to believe that the demons just went away? No. Jesus encountered that dark underworld. As a matter of fact, it's always fascinated me that Jesus, when he came under the anointing of the Spirit and came out of the wilderness having defeated the devil and began his ministry, the very first thing that happened was the manifestation of a devil he flushed the devil out into the open. He made the devil reveal himself. The devil ought not be some figment of our imagination or some fantasy or some myth or fable or brother's grim deal. We, we see him introduced in Genesis, already defeated, already judged, already sent to the earth, a disembodied spirit, and he approaches Eve and seduces her into partaking of the forbidden fruit, and there the devil entered the human race, and he has never left. He's called in the Bible the prince of this world, not the owner, not the ruler, but the prince. That is, this world has crowned him. This world follows him. This world, according to John, is under the sway and influence and control of the devil. Well, I haven't read that in the Bible, Pastor Jeff, but then you haven't read the Bible. It is everywhere in it. John said the whole world lies under the sway of the wicked one. 
So here comes Jesus on a rescue mission, and Jesus, uh, it says of Jesus that he was manifested, here's why, to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he was manifested. That's why he came. He came to set us free from the clutches of the devil, and he came to destroy the works of the devil. So here we have a picture in this Bible story of a man who is the poster boy for what the devil would do to each and every one of us if he could. We see here in this story the worst of the worst. This is the worst case of demon possession in the whole Bible, and I think in the history of the human race. This guy is in a bad, bad way. Utterly bound and tormented, day and night, by supernatural forces of darkness. We don't know how he came under such terrible domination, and possession, generally somewhere along the way, we open a door. The Bible says don't give opportunity to the devil. Don't give him space. And somewhere along the way, particularly lost people, they dabble in the occult. They, they, they dabble in di- different and various things, drugs. Drugs come from the Greek word pharmakia, and that means sorcery. What people don't realize, you get involved in drugs, you open the door to sorcery and to witchcraft and to demonic activity in your life. And so we don't know what door he opened, but somehow the enemy got into his life in a big way. We have a blow-by-blow description of what it looked like, and it's not pretty. And and so I don't want to creep you out, but this is probably going to creep you out a little bit. It's kind of eerie. But it's in the Bible, so we're supposed to read it. It's in three of the four Gospels. First, he dwelt among the tombs. He dwelt among the dead. This poor man was preoccupied and fascinated with death and darkness. And you need to understand that in those days, there weren't any tombstones, you know, these, these tombstones that have the name and underneath something nice about the deceased chiseled in the granite. That wasn't in the first century. They, they laid bodies that were dead, dead bodies in holes and caves of the sides of mountains. That's where they put them. And there they would decay, and there they would waste away. And it's in that scenario this man chose to live. He chose to live among the dead. Second, he had supernatural strength. This is amazing. When the townspeople tried to restrain him, so obviously he was, he was an, an anarchist. He was, he was incorrigible. He was unrestrainable. He was out of control. And they tried to restrain him by shackling him and chaining him with iron fetters, but the man, like Superman, snapped them. The strength came from a supernatural source. Samson had supernatural power by God. This man had supernatural power by the devil. He was possessed with supernatural strength. He snapped those chains like they were made of paper mache. Snap! He crushed leg shackles. Third, I see he could not rest. We're told that day and night, night and day, 24-7, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, wandering. You ever know anybody like that? Can't sit still, they're wandering all the time, agitated, fidgety, can't keep their mind on anything, always moving about. He couldn't sleep, he couldn't rest. The little phrase that he was up day and night crying out, that phrase crying out is from a Greek word that is used to describe a raven's 
piercing cry. You ever heard a raven? It's a shriek. It's a piercing cry. It means to cry out loudly with an urgent scream or a shriek. So if you had been outside in the town of Gadara in the days of this man, you may have heard in the distance and been startled to hear a shriek coming from over yonder, from the graveyard, piercing the darkness. And I guarantee you it sent a chill up and down your spine. Everybody went in when it got dark and locked the door. This man had the whole town intimidated, whole town afraid, whole town oppressed. The whole town was afraid of this guy. What, what's wrong with him? He was freaky. He was weird. He, he was scary. We see forth that he had no self-control. Ever know anybody like that? You ever been like that? Gospel of Luke tells us, watch this, he was driven by the demon into the wilderness. That word driven is strong. It's from a word used to describe the way a ship is helplessly driven by a, a stormy wind where it doesn't want to go, where it doesn't intend to go. That wind from a storm beats against that sail and forces it to go where it doesn't want to go. That's the word driven. Driven out to sea or driven against the rocks and destroyed. There's people in here today, you are driven. You, you sometimes go where you don't want to go, where you know you shouldn't go, but you're driven. And I'm not telling you you're possessed. This man is the ultimate poster boy of demonic possession. But I see as I go through these different things that characterize his life, I see these things in America. I see these things in people who are driven, driven, where I don't want to go, where I, where I, where I shouldn't be, where, where I shouldn't take myself. My, my, I'm driven. Self-destructive. He was self-destructive. He was terribly self-destructive. The Bible records that as he cried out, shrieked out these terrible shrieks, he, he cut himself with sharp stones. So many of our teenagers today who are dealing with terrible stuff on the inside get rid of the, the stress by cutting themselves. It's something that happens with youth all over America. Let me tell you something. Anytime you see cutting, anytime you see self-destruction, you can know that somewhere in there the devil is involved. When you see a self-destructive lifestyle, somebody just wrecking their life, you can know the devil's involved somehow. Because what did Jesus say about it? He came to kill, he came to steal, and he came to destroy. He doesn't do anything else. How do you know the devil's lying if he's talking? He's a liar and the father of lies. And he leads us, he drives us into a self-destructive lifestyle. Drugs, alcohol, you name it. Immorality. Pornography. Self-destruction. The enemies there involved in that. And, and so this man was very self-cutting himself, bleeding, walking around. He, he was, and the Bible says also he was indecent and obscene. The Bible says in Luke he wore no clothes and hadn't done so for a long time. And then the Bible says that he had been this way for years. So this tormented lifestyle had been experienced by him for years. And over time, he lost all sense of morality, propriety, and shame. He lost it. Lost it all. 
So now he's indecent and obscene. Remind you of our country at all? Do you see this? When you lose your morality and you lose decency and you lose your sense of um, self-respect, the enemy's involved. He wants to take God's beautiful creation and destroy it and marginalize it and dehumanize it and define it down. Seventh, Matthew's gospel tells us he was very violent. He's described as exceedingly fierce, so much so that people in the town were afraid to walk by the graveyard. They got where they wouldn't go by the graveyard, lest they be attacked. They avoided. You didn't go to your lost or your, your deceased loved one's grave and lay flowers there because you wouldn't go near the graveyard because he was there. And he would attack. He was exceedingly fierce, not to mention supernaturally strong. This guy was terrifying. And eighth, when Jesus demanded the name of the Spirit, he said, what is your name? Who are you that's in him? Out of this man spoke a voice, a legion. We are legion, for we are many. So he had multiple evil spirits tormenting him. Day and night, shrieking, wandering, driven, can't rest, can't sleep. Here we have the full fruit and the full picture of what Satan wants to do to your life. Fascination with death, supernaturally strong. Do you see America here? Unable to rest, no self-control, self-destructive, obscene, violent. This man needed a deliverance and so does our nation. We need to be delivered. We need deliverance. We need to, to discern what the devil does to people and to cities and nations. Is America not grown obscene? Is America not increasing in violence? Has America not lost its self-control? Is America not grown and waxed self-destructive? Come on, church. And I I got good news for you today. The same Messiah Jesus who walked up to this man and set him free can set America free. That's the answer for us. Now, I want to point out, it's important for us to remember that he wasn't always this way. He wasn't always this way. Following his deliverance, we see Jesus telling him to do this. Jesus said, go home and tell your friends what I did for you. So notice Jesus let us know that this man had a home he used to live in. He had a house, he had friends, and I'm going to tell you, they married very young in those days, so I can very safely guess that he likely had a wife who had witnessed his terrible transformation into somebody she didn't recognize anymore. Happens all the time in our day. I have people tell me pretty often, I don't know them anymore. I don't know what's happened to them. I don't recognize this person. This is not the person I fell in love with. This is not the person I thought I knew. See, sometimes there's a psychological reason, chemical imbalance, that kind of thing. But there are other times when evil forces are at work and have gotten hold of that person and they need to be set free. Can you hear that today? They do. And I think I'm safe in saying if he had a wife, he probably had some children who had witnessed the same terrible transformation. Things finally reached the place where he couldn't stay in his house. He was driven from home and hearth to a life of pure hell. 
living in the tombs, no friends, lonely, isolated, tormented, desperate. This is what Satan does to people. This is why we're having Tag a Friend Sunday, because some of the ones that you're going to invite next week are experiencing things in their private life you don't know anything about. The enemy is after them and tormenting them, and next week Jesus is going to be in the house. You probably know somebody just like this, due to a radical personal transformation. They're no longer the person you knew. Maybe alcohol, maybe drugs, maybe involvement in some cult, or you just don't know what did it, but a door was open and they began to decline, and now their life has careened out of control, and now they live among the dead, among the lost of this world who are spiritually dead in a self-destructive lifestyle, and they need Jesus just like this man did. I can easily imagine this man's wife bowed in prayer at night. Oh, God, because she didn't know Jesus. She didn't know Jesus, but she knew there was a God. Oh, God, help my husband out there in the graveyards. I can imagine his little kids getting on their knees, knowing that he was out there and saying, oh, God, please touch my daddy. And you know what? There's children praying for their parents now. And there are spouses praying for their spouse, wives for husbands, husbands for wives. We know that if God doesn't do it, it's not going to get done. We are desperate. We need the Lord to move or it's not going to happen. But I came to tell you today that Jesus hears the cries, hears the prayers, and I'm going to prove it to you. When we cry out to God, there is a God who hears that cry. We serve a living God, and we serve a loving God. And he is not up there just flinging other planets into existence and ignoring the human race he created. His eye is on you. You are on his mind. I see in this story that God heard those prayers as all this was going on. You know where Jesus was? He was on the other side of the sea, way on the other side of the sea. But here's what I find in the Gospels when I just backtracked to the chapter before this one. He was going around. He was healing the sick. He was feeding the multitudes. He was teaching the multitudes. He was in the middle of a revival. And all of a sudden, Jesus unexpectedly, unexplainably changed course. All of a sudden, he changed direction. All of a sudden, he says to his men, go get in the boat. And I'm going to get in the boat. We're going to the other side. You know what the other side was? The other side that he pointed to was Gadara. The other side that he was talking about was where this man was crying out in torment with shrieks day and night. The other side is where the prayers of loved ones had risen to the throne room of God and God had heard those prayers and Jesus being God heard those prayers and those prayers turned Jesus from what he was doing with masses to focus on one man. One man. I want you to know, folks, that Jesus hears it when we cry out. See, some of you cried out last night. You said, God, please help me. I can't go on like this. This has got to change. Something's got to give. You cried out. I want you to know today that you were heard by a God who answers prayer. Some of you have cried out today. Some of you watching by streaming video right now are crying out. You're crying out and saying, oh God, if there is a God, help me. 
and you didn't tune into this by mistake, I'm telling you today, I'm looking right at you, in your home, in your office, Jesus has heard your cry. You have tuned in so you can have faith and turn to him. He says, get into the boat and let's cross over to the other side. Somebody was waiting on the other side of their obedience. And it's funny how when God tells us, take a step of faith, we have no idea how many people are waiting on the other side of our obedience. When I think when God told us to get this building, I didn't know most of you. You were on the other side of my obedience. There's way more to come. Oh, it's a great blessing when you obey God because people that you don't know, that you haven't yet met, are always the recipients of your obedience. That's why I bring somebody next to us. Somebody's waiting on the other side. And here was this man. Here was this man. Jesus heard the cry. Jesus Change direction. Jesus headed for Gadara. I don't have time today. I wish I could, but I don't. To look at how a great storm arose when they decided to obey God. You know the story. Jesus gets in the boat. He goes to sleep in the helm of the boat. The disciples are, and they're about halfway across the sea. And a great storm arose. And they were afraid they were going to drown. They woke him up. He said, where is your faith? You know the whole story, but here's my point. Do you think maybe it's possible that the devil who had this man so bound, so destroyed, he was wreaking havoc on an entire town. Do you think that the devil did not know working in the spirit arena? You think he could not have been behind this storm trying to stop the miracle from happening? Have you ever noticed that right before your greatest breakthrough, the greatest storms strike? But I'm glad to say Jesus was more than enough for the storm. He stood up and said, stop it, stop it, stop it. The wave stopped, the wind stopped, the storm stopped. Some of you are just about near, just about up on your breakthrough, and you're in a storm right now. You need to take heart by that story that he is riding the storm you're afraid of. He lands on the shore. He gets out of the boat. From a distance, the Bible says this man sees him, but not just the man but beings looking through his eye. Personalities that knew exactly who Jesus was. When he saw Jesus from afar, he ran up to him. I love that. Everybody say he ran up to him. Yeah. Best thing you can do when you're bound up is run up to Jesus. He, he did the right thing. He ran to Jesus fell down before him and with a loud voice said, what have I to do with you? Catch this, folks. This is so profound. Jesus, son of the most high God, I beg you, do not torment me. This wasn't the man talking. This was personalities in the man. And I don't mean schizophrenic, multiple personalities in a person's confused mind. I mean, the Bible is clear. This was supernatural personalities talking out of him. I told you I was going to creep you out a little bit. Evil spirits were speaking out of him. And so 
so this wasn't just one man meeting another. Let me tell you what this really was. This was light confronting darkness. This was truth confronting a lie. This was the kingdom of God confronting the kingdom of Satan. Last night, I was tweeting on Twitter. I want to get this right. And I got into a discussion with some of these people who are in the lifestyle, the transgender lifestyle that has become such an issue in this Houston thing. And I got to tell you, I was called names. I didn't even know existed. I said, what was that? I didn't. What was that? You know what I was very aware of? I was talking to more than people. I'm serious. I was talking to more than people. Paul said, we're not battling against flesh and blood. We're battling against principalities and powers and rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. That's who we're really battling. Beings behind people. And they, they had a word with me last night. And I had a word back. I didn't have my own reaction back. I, had, I gave the word, capital W, back. And that made them even matter. And then I heard more words I didn't know existed. <laughs> I think they were making them up as they went along. I think, I think new ones were created last night. But... I was so aware of the supernatural spiritual warfare aspect of all this. Now, what gets me is this, these demons in this man knew his name. They said, Jesus, son of the most high God. They not only knew his name, but they knew about his divinity. They knew from whence he had come. They knew that he wasn't typical or normal. They knew that he was a supernatural man. They knew that he was God's son. They they knew more than a lot of people know. No wonder James said the devils believe and they tremble. No wonder in the book of Acts when we read about the seven sons of Sceva uh, trying to cast a devil out of a man and the devil spoke out of that man and said, Paul I know and Jesus I know. I know the name of Jesus. And they also knew something else. They knew that it would be he, Jesus, who would one day cast them into the pit of hell. They said, have you come to torment us before the time? Before what time? Before the time when the Bible says, Jesus Christ will judge the nations of the world. And he will say to them, depart from me, accursed ones, into the eternal fire, which has been prepared for the devil. And his angels. You see, hell was never prepared for a human being. It was prepared for the devil and his fallen angels. Only when man rebelled and became an enemy of God by sin, did he become a candidate for that place that only the devil was intended to go. These demons in Matthew 8, 29 are admitting that there is a set time where they're going to be judged. And they want to know, what are you doing here before the time? Notice they're not fighting, believing they're going to win the battle against God. They're fighting to carry as many with them as they can before their time comes. They make a prayer to Jesus. 
It says, they begged him, saying, send us to the swine that we may enter them. We need to occupy something. And he said to them, I love this, go. Immediately the unclean spirits went out and entered the swine. 2,000 of them, the herd ran violently down the steep place into the sea and drowned in the sea. Now, all the while, you got people watching this and you can only imagine. Here's the people that have been hired to feed the swine. Here's some of the townsfolk, and they're watching this happen in front of them. And I want to promise you, they're freaking out all caps. Because <laughs> all of a sudden, there's strange voices talking out of this gathering demoniac. And all of a sudden, Jesus says, go, after those voices said, let us go into the pigs. As soon as he said, go, all the pigs get violent and run into the sea and drown. So no wonder it says they fled into town and they told the owners of the swine and the townspeople what had happened. And I love this. What did they see when the whole town came out uh, on the testimony of these men? They saw a set free man. Oh, this is powerful. Notice how this once pitiful man is described. They came to Jesus and saw the one who had been demon possessed and had the legion sitting Now, that's relevant, sitting. What does it mean? He's no longer frantic. He's no longer unable to rest. He's no no longer driven, no longer running wildly through the wilderness, in the mountains and in the tombs. He's sitting. That's talking more about posture. It's talking about his disposition. He had peace. Some of you can't sit still. You know what the Bible says in Psalms 46.10? Be still. Be still. Knowing that I am God. Worry and fretting makes you get frantic and always on the move and can't sleep. But when you just know that he's God and he's got it, you can sit still. So he was sitting. But more than that, he was clothed. You know what that means? His morality had been restored. He was no longer obscene and indecent. His morality had been restored. Now he had morality and decency. He's clothed. He's in his right mind. That's the third thing. He was in his right mind. Thank God the Bible says he hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. He takes crazy people and makes them sane. I was talking to my mother this week. She's probably watching. I was talking to her this week, and we were talking about somebody we know who has a level of psychosis, and um, we were talking about praying for them, and she said, well, Jeffrey, the Lord did it for you. He can do it for him. I said, wait a minute, mother. I had some problems, but I wasn't psychotic. She said, well, you almost were. Two prayers were prayed at the end of this story, and I'm going to close with this. Two prayers were prayed, one sad prayer and one glad prayer. The sad prayer, watch this, it's the saddest prayer in the whole Bible. You want to know the saddest prayer in all of Scripture? It's this one. It says the businessmen and the townspeople prayed that Jesus would go away. Then they began to plead with him. They begged him to depart from their region. Remember when I talked about the shady lady, woman at the well? 
Do you remember that when all the townspeople came out to see who she had been talking about, she brought the whole town out there? And when they met Jesus, they begged him to stay in their town. They wanted him to stay in their town. And Jesus stayed two days because he was asked to stay. This town's the opposite. Go away. Go away. Leave us. You know what they're saying? We want, we're choosing business and money and pigs over you. Church, is that not what America's doing? We don't want you in our schools. We don't want you in our public square. We don't want you in our sports arenas. We don't want you. Get out of here. Leave us alone. When in fact, we need to be saying, oh, come. Even so, come, Lord Jesus. Come on in. Come on in. Kumbaya. Come by here. You know, the scary thing is he answered that prayer. He got back into his boat. And sailed away. And as he sailed away, their deliverance sailed away. Their salvation sailed away. Their peace sailed away. Their answer sailed away. The second prayer was from the delivered man. He who had been possessed begged him. Both were begging. Both parties begged. Begged him that he might be with him. Can I just be with you, Jesus? Can I just hang around with you, follow you, get in the boat with you, go where you go, do what you do? I just want to be with you. Jesus answered the prayer, but not the way he wanted. He said, no. He said, I have something better for you. Anytime Jesus doesn't answer your prayer the way you want, he has something better. So he's not letting you cheat yourself. He answered. He said, no, here's my plan for you. I want you to go home. Say hello to your little wife. Let her see that your face has peace. Hug your children. Get into your residence. Go back home. Go to your friends. Tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. Don't keep it to yourself. You've had a miracle. Call your little dog to you. Come here, Spot. Before he was under the bed every time you came home. Now he doesn't need to be afraid. You know what he did? He became a fiery, red-hot, devil-stomping, Christ-exalting evangelist. The Bible says he departed and began to proclaim in Decapolis. Decapolis was called Decapolis because it was a place of ten cities. He said, man, I'm not just going to go home. I'm going to keep on going, and I'm going to tell ten cities what the Lord has done for me. So he went and preached one city, another city, another city, and many came to know Jesus because of this one man who was set free. Amen. Let's stand together, can we? And please, no movement. Please don't leave yet. Please don't walk out yet. You'll get, a, you'll get out. The traffic will let you through. I want to just pray a very important prayer right now. I want you to listen carefully to me. Are you tormented today? Do you need deliverance? Are you out of control in some area of your life? Does, does something drive you against rocks of destruction? Do you end up in places you know you shouldn't go, but you're, you're just driven? I'm not saying it's all the devil's fault, but I'm saying that sometimes we really do need to be set free. Can we bow for a moment of prayer? If you can say, Lord Jesus, 
I've never come to you. You've drifted. You used to walk with the Lord, but you've drifted. You've gotten away from him. He's calling you back before a worse thing happens. Turn while you can turn. Come back home and fully submit to him. This man ran to Jesus and bowed before him, signifying lordship. And that's when he got set free. With our heads bowed, if you can say, Pastor Jeff, I have drifted. But you saying what you're saying is only a confirmation of what I've already been sensing in my heart. It's time for me to run to him. Run to him. Before he sails away. If that's you, would you raise your hand here today? High where I can see you. See you everywhere. Many of you. God bless you. I'm going to ask you to do something right now. I'm going to pray with you. And then I'm going to ask you to come down and stand here. I want to pray with you one more time here. But is there somebody who has never come to him? You know what you can do today? Run to him. Run. And say, Lord, I need you. Take advantage of it while you can. I want to pray for you today. Now let's just pray together. Say with me, Lord Jesus, I believe you died for me, rose from the dead, so that I could be saved and delivered from Satan's influence. I ask you to forgive me of all sin. Come into my heart as Savior and Lord. In Jesus' name.